This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by I Can't Believe It's Not Brother. As hard as it is to believe, trust us, it's not brother. It's not. To get your free demo today, go to www.brothersareforchumps.net and try spreading I Can't Believe It's Not Brother in your ears, on your soul, or down the tubes of your digestive system. I Can't Believe It's Not Brother. For the brother free and the brother filled. Amen. <laughs> we might trim that out. Just put bird song around it and then those be like what's oh, left. Yeah. Stock sounds of bird song. Okay, can we move the table this way a little bit? Just because I don't want the mic stand bumping it. No, not towards you, you goon. <laughs> I love how rickety the table sounds. Yeah. Towards well, the table? Yeah, like that way. Okay. It's fine now. It's fine now. <laughs> Sorry. How's it going? Hey. It's uh, quite late. One of the latest times good. we've recorded. Again. Yeah, in quite some time. It's um, uh, 11.09, and we're just getting warmed up. You do a lot of questionable stuff, guys. And I have to but... get up at probably like 7.15, All right, 7. well, let's not get our complainy pants on just yet. You love one to of my favorite times. You from... love to complain about how you need to go to bed. One of my that's favorite scenes. One of your one of my favorite favorite. One that's of my one favorite of the things that you are from best the monk at, is and that's from just monk, a hobby that I can tell that you cherish almost above your car obsession. Plane, to be honest, and there's that little girl who's doing like the <laughs> Pete. And I can Pete tell that now you left. now that I'm repeat. talking while you're talking, and then she says to him, "You could almost not even handle." You should be called Mister. Welcome aboard the Good Ship Brothership. Here comes the theme music. That's enough of that. Okay, I'm slightly put off now. Oh, I'm like a third of the way through Ori now. You should get playing it sometime. Maybe we can drop a sauce little review there. But I'm it's playing not... Broken Age now. Yeah, well that's true. I'm trying to push through and finish that like pretty yeah. quickly. That's fair. I should get a bit more into it. I'm only like an hour in. We'll do a quick thing on what we've been playing and watching and reading and stuff, because I have a lot of interesting stuff I've been doing. Yeah. I can't believe we've stuck with this theme song for so long, and there's like 98 others. I think. 100, because there's number zero, and it goes up to 99. Is there zero? Cast your votes in the comments for which number we should use as our theme song next week. Next, I don't think anyone will. Maybe one person will. Did I pause that? No. I think I did. Okay. Oh man, it just trails off. Welcome aboard the Good Ship Brothership. You're aboard the only arts podcast which covers film, music, gaming, literature, and... Slap Chop competitions i'm grant and this is my brother jason jason what are we talking about today on this show today we are doing the most timely podcast we've ever done ever. which is to say still not very not very but we are reviewing the brand new film dunkirk, dunkirk. produced by james cameron okay wait a second and uh it's killer joke. Arc- arcade fire's new album which is called everything now yes Okay, now, man, we've like we've rolled straight through into this. Oh well, we were gonna talk about what we've been playing yeah, and stuff. So we're just okay, talking about the I'm sorry. Song. Yes. Uh, so also, I was gonna try and find your peanut yeah. M and M's. 
Oh. To snark on. Well, but we can get some you of those. Squirreled them away. No, like I just a... put them up in the cupboard upstairs. I'll get them after we talk about this stuff. You squirreled them. Well, you flipped the puppet. So I'll go first. Okay. Because I'm nice. And I've had a lot of good stuff going on. It's I, so nice. I've started during my breaks at work uh, bringing like a book to read or a game to play or something. Because I mean, you got like an hour and a half of untapped potential there. So I reread all of Cormac McCarthy's The Road, which is one of my favorite books of all time. Did we did we review it for this show? No. no? Yeah. Um, don't really need to. It's fantastic. It's perfect. Um, and then I also read The Sunset Limited by Cormac McCarthy. Stage play slash novella. A uh, really interesting story talking about kind of God and humanity and motivation for living or lack thereof, uh, as it's a play that really deals with suicide and finding joy in life and finding joy outside of life kind of thing. Really interesting. Highly recommended. Maybe we'll review it one day. I doubt it. For games, I've been trucking along in Paladin still, just about at 100 hours, which I never do for a game. Like, I don't know if I ever have, aside from Gran Turismo. Dark Souls? Well, the franchise, but not either of the games, probably. Mm. And then I'm playing Ori in the Blind Forest, which we may or may not review. Excellent, beautiful um, 2D platformer, just a charming little game. Super popular. Yeah. Very Um, acclaimed. And I've just started Broken Age as well. I'm just about an hour into that. So far, so good. You mentioned that last time. Um, Did I? Yeah. Just a solid Tim Schafer adventure game. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, because you're like, double fine. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I, yeah. as of yesterday, I picked up Butterscotch Shenanigans mobile game, uh, Crashlands, which is like a crafting survival RPG. And unfortunately, it's all I've heard out of you since. Really charming, really fun, hilarious dialogue, surprisingly good combat. Uh, why don't you talk about what you're playing, and then I'll give you permission to flip the puppet. I want Eyes Up to be Dunkirk, and I'm going to go get the M&Ms. Okay. Talk about what you've been doing first, though. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't been playing... Oh, so you're leaving now? Yeah. Like just, okay. Like, okay. Stall until I get back. Alright. I guess. Okay, he he's gone. Uh I haven't I haven't been playing a lot, uh, in terms of video games, uh just because I've been working on a couple of my own projects in a lot of my spare time and my not spare time as well. Uh in terms of music I've listened to um mm, I'll listen to Arcade Fire for this show, of course. I've been listening still to Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits, Like a Maniac. Uh, and I was listening to I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning by Bright Eyes for the past couple days. I was just telling the kids that I was listening to I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning quite a bit oh, in, right. the, in the truck. Music I've been listening to. Um, as far as reading, geez, okay. As far as reading, I'm decently stalled. Honestly, uh, still in As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner, which I just need to like buckle down and read, but it's difficult for me to find the time to like sit and read a lot. I've been just binging Peaky Blinders on Netflix, which is um, quite possibly the top three television shows i've ever seen i need to watch it i I still just have one more episode of luther absolutely fabulous it's like great stories amazingly good characters drenched dripping in style nicely shot beautifully geniusly scored 
with like modern music, like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. That's a good one. Uh, f- absolutely fantastic. Add the National to your album, your list of upcoming. Oh, albums. that's yeah, that's definitely one of them that I was missing. Um, and aside from that, I haven't been haven't been ingesting much. Um, that's good. Still playing Broken Age, as I said. Chipping away at Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne. But I find it hard to stay motivated when you're just stuck on just one boss. As you know, I find it very hard to stay motivated. But you don't want your skills to atrophy too much. I know, that's the thing. Like, you have to try it, like, for a half hour every day. Or, like, an hour every day. So, anyway. Is it that time where we flip the puppet? Yeah, I guess. I've also been listening to a ton of the IGN UK podcast, and I think we need to be everything they are, except slightly less drunk. Is that face down? That's face down. So it's everything now first, uh-huh. right? Uh, let me just write this down. And for the record, I don't think I've ever had this many... Oh, jeez. I don't think I've ever had this little of, like, interest to say. Um, not because of anything with the album, but I just feel like I don't really have insight into this album because it's really different from anything we've ever reviewed do you think it maybe would be most do you want to go first because it sounds like you do no not really i can all right I'm just I'll go first. it sounds I'll like go you first. got stuff to say despite okay. the fact that you keep saying you're um, not to say so arcade fire is a band that i am really only familiar with with in the merest of passings they had that song they were up all night to get lucky still don't know what that was about Maybe if I go back and listen to it, it's a good song now, but at the time... Um, Who was that? That was some French band. Is that not them? That's Daft Punk. Are they French? Yeah. Okay. These guys are from Quebec. Daft Punk is French French? Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. I, I thought that you were joking. No, I've never listened to either of them before. I can tell. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so sorry. <laughs> This is an arts podcast. I forgot about that, to be honest. You just confused Arcade Fire with Daft Punk. Yeah, I did. Well, hang on. Peanut M&M's bag, Russell incoming. What I would ask is this. Could you name a single Arcade Fire before, an Arcade Fire song before this album? Absolutely. Really? Suburbs, No Cars Go. There's two right there. There's two. Reflector. Oh, Reflector. Um, I guess Reflector was huge. Funeral. I mean, I can name albums yeah. more than I can name songs. But all that to say, I'm vastly ignorant about Arcade Fire before this. Wow, you stuck the landing, didn't you? Where did that go? <laughs> Whoa! He just threw an M&M onto my shoulder, because I have such broad shoulders. So, putting ignorance and embarrassment aside, um, I went into this album really not knowing what to expect, and sort of expecting I'd be indifferent on it. Definitely wasn't. I would say this is a overall very positive review. I thought it was a really good album. Um, that's kind of funky. It has it has some groove. It's overall a fairly happy sounding album, even though at times the lyrics are like not necessarily happy. Um, it just has a sort of positive major tone overall throughout, which I find kind of refreshing because I feel like a lot of times we review music that's like I'm sad, I'm sad, and I want to die. See City in Color. Um, I was telling Esther about that today, and I was like, yeah, for his review, Grant wrote down all the times Dallas Green wanted to die, and it was like 12 or something. 
ridiculous. But we're not reviewing that album. Um, I think Arcade Fire, and I've been saying this a lot lately because it's just been true lately, really has the mixing and mastering sound of it down, side of it down very well. Um, they just cover, they have a huge sound stage and they kind of cover a whole range of sounds very well while staying true to their sound as a band. I think I haven't heard bands do this better all that frequently. Um, but they just really strike a good balance between individuality and sounds and having a consistent sound throughout. Um, that said, I think the album is held back a little bit just by some songs that just sound a little annoying. Like, uh, um, uh... if you say the track name, I can probably tell which one it is, <clears throat> which one, where it's just the high <laughs> voice looping over and over again. Oh no, I was going to say, um. Is the Put Your Money on Me the name of the track or not? Yeah. That I found a mostly okay track, but then like the chorus goes on too long. I think... The, oh, the one I was going to say was Chemistry, with like the faux oompa yeah. thing that comes in. That really bothers me. I think... I understand that they're from... Like, the little I know about the band's background, I know that oh. they have a history of like... Not even necessarily looping stuff in the true sense, but they're a repetitive sound, which is okay, yeah. but just not for me as much. And I did find when I listened to this album like twice back to back, I would just be like, okay, we get it. Put your money on me. We get it. Peter Pan. Peter Pan, I did not like either. I found that was be kind of. Wendy. I'll be a Peter Pan. Come on, baby. Take my hand. We can walk, I okay. don't feel like flying. But that said, I feel we like can I'm... live, I don't feel like dying. I feel like I'm being way more negative on this album than I should be, and maybe that's because I'm just tired of saying good things about albums because we've reviewed so much good music lately. But overall, I found it. Ha each song had a lot of individuality for the most part. I think they had a good sense of groove and motion and managed to kind of feel light and floaty in a good way. I think a lot of the music we've been listening to lately has like a really tight like gel to it and I really appreciate that this just felt like it had a little bit more wiggle. looseness and wiggle room and stuff like that. That was very welcome. Um, just a huge variety in instrumentation and sound and stuff. You can even see this picture inside the album which we have here. They're just crammed There's in. There's no way they recorded anything. They in there. couldn't have. There's barely any way they rehearsed in there. But they like barely fit. It's just all this. Uh, it's like a porch. Old and new music equipment, tons of different keyboards and synths and stuff. And I think to an extent they just do synths better than almost anybody else, maybe barring like Alex Cameron and a couple others. Nick Cave. Nick Cave. Um, so yeah, I really wish I had more to say on this album. And I definitely am floundering a little bit just because I'm not. Uh, speaker of authority on this kind of music at all but overall i did really enjoy it and i'm well, looking music's, forward music's music though yeah i know but i just feel like i don't i don't know much about the band i don't know like i don't even know how many members there are or uh how their past is informed and stuff like that so to that extent i can't really speak with authority but just as a self-contained experience where you put the cd in and you listen to it um I found it very refreshing, even though I don't know that it's like a significantly unique album. I think that they just managed to have an amount of energy. I think the opening track is maybe my favorite track on the album still is Everything Now. 
just has that awesome quick like 20 second build up Mm -hmm. and then it all clears out like the journey the game soundtrack that's one of the things i love about it and this is they build up in this there's just this culmination of sounds that raises to like this climax kind of thing then it all cuts out and then that like clear as a bell riff comes in Mm -hmm. piano yeah and then the whole song just kicks off with like this wicked swing and it's just like it's so energetic and just like cruising along on a sunny day with the windows down to everything now is just like very euphoric um and one certainly gets the impression that they had a lot of fun making the album maybe that's entirely misleading maybe they hated it Mm -hmm. but just to listen to it it sounds fantastic we also didn't read the Wikipedia description. That's why I made like a small sound as though I'd been stabbed in the kidney halfway through your review. I was like, Bleh. Everything Now is the fifth studio album by the Canadian indie rock band Arcade Fire. They're from Quebec, so they're not really Canadian. It was released on July 28th, 2017, physically through Sonavox Records and digitally through Columbia Records. That's interesting. The album was produced by Arcade Fire alongside Thomas Banglet- Banglatar of the electronic house duo Daft Punk. I knew there was a connection there. Oh, yeah, I bet you did. And pulp bassist That's Steve McKay. That's actually super weird that that is the case. <laughs> Previous collaborator Marcus Draves provides co-production with additional production by Jeff Barrow of Portishead and Ooh. Eric Heigl. Um, it wow. was recorded over September 16 to April 17 in New Orleans, Montreal, April, and Paris. April 2017. Yeah, it was when they stopped recording. Wow. Wow. Oh, and then wow, wow we're just that's all, amazing. Actually. We're all over the place. That's right up to to the what was released last in July. Month. I know, but that's like May, June, July, three months. That's that would be like mixing time. You'd assume yeah. that's not a ton for uh, my my band. I mean, it was a lot of remote stuff, but it was like six months of mixing. Yeah. But anyway, also I feel like they could have a little bit more like creativity with their title names. They're just basically, you said to me, I, well, I said to you earlier, I was like, I don't know that I could name any of the tracks because like, I just pop the album and listen to it and I haven't looked at the track list too much. And you're like, well, if you just think of the words they repeat over and over in every chorus, that's just the track list and it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my track, uh, my standard tracks would be Everything Now, for sure. Um, Put Your Money On Me, I liked, even though I feel like it went on a little bit. And actually, I'm realizing now um, entirely to the contrary of what I said, I think I would put Peter Pan on standouts because I was thinking of Chemistry, not Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. Chemistry yeah, is the okay. one that bothers me. Peter Pan's a really good track, so redact that. Okay. We won't actually, but like if you listen, you know, Peter Pan's very good. Yeah, I'd give the album probably in the high sevens to maybe an eight out of ten. I think it's totally worth a listen. I think it'll probably get on my honorable mentions for album of the year, but it probably won't be in the top two or three. Are you really hot? No, I'm fairly hot. Like, open the window. Go I, I was thinking of cracking this. You can hear the bird song. Window open. Oh, and serve me up some M&Ms, please, while you do your song. review. Also, by the way, to anyone who is cripplingly depressed by that review, I feel like I have an absolute bang-up Dunkirk review coming up. So just sit tight for the return of the king. Here, eat this M&M that I gave to you. Okay, so... Uh, shoot, I dropped it. Oh, man. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, uh, that's okay, Jason. I licked it and then I dropped it on the dirty carpet. <laughs> uh, it's not that dirty. I clean it. Okay. I clean in here. Okay, so um, 
Everything now. Uh, the sound of the album does range a lot, like you were saying, from like very groovy electro disco, uh, neo disco sort of funky stuff, uh, all the way to like really uh, thrashy, faux thrashy punk. At one point of one song, Infinite Content, to that's a good song too. A soaring sound on put your money on me everything now and we don't deserve love and uh it it, it's not a lot of pillars of genre and style i don't think that the album stands on uh and i think it wears them all pretty well my standout tracks were everything now the title track which has this like genuine sense of like optimism it's grown on me since we did our knee jerks and uh it reminded me in a strange way of like that uh, weird retro future. It's interesting that just a song could inspire these images in me. A retro future. Fifth Element Blade Runner. The Fallout. No, like the Fallout games. Oh, okay. Yeah, like yeah. that retro future. I don't know They're why. They're like it... Frank Sinatra, the Fallout games. I know. Like... I don't know why it inspired that in me, but there was. It could be the music video, which is beautiful. Uh, I know we talked about that. But I quite enjoyed that song. Uh, I really liked Good God Damn, mm-hmm. which was one of the grooviest songs on the album and had some of the better writing. And I really also enjoyed Put Your Money On Me, which I thought had like a really nice, a really clever triplet riff underneath a 4-4 beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and in case anybody doesn't understand that, it's just something rhythmic that sounds really cool basically uh although i shouldn't talk down no so if that was a mistake i apologize the drums are staggered to the music and it sounds awesome yeah and it's very clever and provides a really nice kind of churning under underlying uh uh, uh, texture yeah now where i kind of kind of would deviate from it would be the following um one of my favorite u2 albums top three everybody who knows me knows this is pop probably not everybody and and those of you who know music and u2 in particular know that that's a really weird choice because that's probably their most hated album of all time which is so bogus um but i i think it's absolutely one of their best and a lot of bono's best writing is on that album a lot of the Edge's most creative guitar works on that album. A lot of the best drumming and bass is on that album. It's them at, in a lot of ways, at their best. And that whole album is a celebration of popular culture, consumerism, uh, the shallowness, Vegas life, all these things, you know, that the band at that point had experienced. And everything now kind of feels like pop's baby brother it i feel like and here are the liner notes which you can now hear me unfolding in an asmr like fashion okay we're just gonna read the liner notes for everything now um it is the liner notes are really cool except for the durability factor not a whole lot of durability in this thin sheet of of paper but they're laid out them though they're laid out like a uh, flyer and it's like sale and all this stuff and so for creature comfort it's a box of cereal that says creature comfort on it so much graphic design has gone into this album 
in the liner notes on the CD, every single song has its own logo. And you get the feeling that there's a super high budget, not even in the music so, itself, and so much as everything like, else. They're like, what do we do with all this money? Uh, more graphic design, make more, a sick more, music more. video, make a logo for every song, yeah. sweet CD design, sweet liner notes. Yeah, it's um, a great anyway, experience. So it's with this kind of... Um, these logos, like they look like company logos for all the songs and the flyer motif for the liner yeah. notes. You get the idea that they're swinging for kind of like an anti-consumerist, anti-capitalist manifesto while being faux in favor of those things, uh, which I kind of find ironic considering they're, they're yeah one of the biggest bands in the world and the band photograph pictures them in a small room that's overflowing with tens of thousands of dollars of equipment which isn't necessarily capitalist or consumerist but in a certain certain manner it is and the album kind of seems to find it hard to stick to that manifesto to those uh themes it kind of deviates like in peter pan the song back to kind of a romance you know and I really don't like the lyrics in that song. I just in my say, dreams, you're dying. Hold on, no, no, no. In the chorus, be my Wendy, I'll be your Peter Pan. Come on, baby, take my hand. We can walk. I don't feel like flying. We can live. I don't feel like dying. And it's just like, is that really all you could come up with for for being one of the biggest bands in the world and for being not just a big band but wow. an indie band where people like you know people who buy these CDs read all the lyrics i never realized they were this bad i know they're in my real. dreams you're dying it wakes me up and i can't stop crying i just want to live forever keep my promises keep it together yeah and and so they try and they do that on one tune and then on creature comfort they do this kind of like i love creature comfort that should have been on my standard track they list. do oh, but man. they do this um edgy sort of thing you know talking about like girls cut themselves and stand in the mirror and wait for the feedback whatever um which you know is that might be meaningful to somebody but it i just like the writing like, that song though That's... it was kind of teen angsty to me some of some of the lyrics i like uh god make me famous if you can't just make it painless i like that as a lyric that works but for some of it i just felt like the edginess was kind of forced um and then at the the last track, uh, We Don't Deserve Love, kind of shoots for and reminded me in a big way of like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with this kind of like woozy synth line kind of underpinning this um, rambling sort of lyrical melody. And it shoots for Nick Cave, but it, land, it does land short. You got chemistry, which we were talking about, which is like oompa rock which I really yeah. was not a fan of whatsoever. Uh, so, all this to say, it it had, maybe it had ambitions at one point. Maybe they started with a song, Everything Now, and thought, hey, this would be great. We which could is build, a, just a bang-up song. Still, it's a good song. Opinion. We can build a cool um, themed album on this about consumerism and the 21st century and capitalism, which is all stuff that has been done to death. See, mm-hmm. um, Muse. But I was hoping that, you know, there might be an interesting twist on it. But here there just isn't. And that is okay. However, it looked like they kind of beat that idea to death with this kind of flyer packaging for the liner notes and just all their um, 
advertising for the album and that sort of thing. So I think as a concept album, it fails. Like, and it it fails in like a pretty big way. I never treated it as a concept album though. Well, I mean, you got the f- like. I don't know what else you could want as proof that they were thinking of it as a concept. I would almost call it more of a design for... motif. Yeah, but that that hints at a concept, does it not? Motif means concept. It's a concept in that it's about consumerism, but I don't think it's a concept album in that I don't think it tells a continuous narrative like we often think of concept albums. But I don't think concept albums have to. No. That's why I I said themed. Yeah. I think it is themed. Do you want some more coffee? uh, Sure, you can give me a little bit more. Split it. And I think it kind of fails at that because, like, it does deviate. Like, Peter Pan... The song, like, what's that about? Like, it just seems to be a really generic love song. The writing's of, not great. I never realized it was so bad. And I like should have read saying, that the, before. The, the writing for a lot of the choruses is just... Yeah. That was a these, big... These cheap uh, rhymes with the title of the song just kind of shoehorned in and crowbarred in the back, hoping nobody will notice. And I'm just not impressed by that. Mm-hmm. I need more from particularly like a chorus of a song has uh-huh. to, you know, you can't just flag out on the chorus and go, eh, you know, looking for signs every night, but there's no signs of life. So we do it again. And then they just sing the yeah. thing again. It's like, <laughs> it's the song okay, that I see ends. what you did there. Um, you wonder why there are none of these synthy electronic artists, except for like Al Cam, who have good writing and good music. Or... Uh, 22 a million? Oh, Bobby yeah. Bear? Oh, Bobby man. Bear. Okay, that's... Or, and, Nick Cave, and Nick Cave... But Nick so Cave's think, not, like, synthy like this is, I didn't think. I mean, Rings of Saturn like is... Like, Distant Sky, is that what it's called? Yeah. Want to try? Yeah, that, yeah. A little bit. What a um, beautiful album that yeah. is. Oh, my word. Probably not as good as 22 a million. Um, I disagree. So, I think it fails as a concept, but it is carried by tracks, which are, by and large, decent. The songs are decent, right? In the same way that um, Automaton by Jamiroquai, all the songs are decent there. If you have friends over, you're playing pool, you want something to groove out to, I totally throw I think I enjoyed Automaton more, actually. I totally... Well, that's because Automaton knew what it was doing. Yeah. And Jamiroquai and and the boys knew that they were just going for, you know, something. Hey, baby, come on over and stay the night. I've had too many drinks, but I'm sexy. And feeling right. Yeah. I gotta say, just as a very quick aside, Automaton, since we reviewed it, has grown on me more to the extent that I still throw it on probably almost weekly, like while I'm doing something on a computer. Yeah. And just groove out. Good album. That's for free. Oh, and Electric Blue's really groovy, too. That's the one that just has female vocal vocal for the whole thing. Very groovy. That's a good one. Um, so I think it fails as a concept, but it is carried by the tracks, which are by and large decent. Uh, the cheap grooves, somewhat sappy uh, anthems do abound, but they both do rock hard, and it, this is a great driving album. Yeah. Throw it in the car, throw it in the truck, throw it in the van, throw it in the Convertible. Horse. <laughs> throw it in the horse, the horse. <laughs> and you're gonna you're gonna drive along and you're gonna have a nice change of scenery see what i did there from track to track and you're gonna be tapping your toes snapping your fingers and you're probably gonna be singing along by the second chorus because it's just five words over and over again so i i did enjoy it was not bowled over this is the first arcade fire album that i've really listened to 
and the definitely the first one that I've purchased. Um, and it, it makes me kind of want to go back to like Funeral or Suburbs, the albums that like catapulted them into making this kind of like half sellout thing where they kind of made... this is their second law? Well, yeah, maybe because like they made Reflector, right? Which was their foray into like it's that kind of disco thing. And it did really well. And now, now whenever I hear an album from a seasoned band, I can't help but wonder... Because me being in a not seasoned band, playing a handful of shows in comparison, even I know what gets the crowd going, and it's so much easier to write for crowds now that I just wonder. I just wonder what they were thinking. Are they thinking, yeah, let's write those four lyric um, choruses because everybody can sing along to them, even if they've never heard the song before, or did they think that it actually served a song? So anyway, um, decent album, nothing amazing, but definitely worth checking out. And it, it sounds like money. Like it sounds like they just poured buckets of money into this album. For better or for worse. You ready? For what? Dunkirk. I am ready for Dunkirk. Now I have this. It's a piece of paper folded up. I'm starting my review of it, so is this you starting your review? Because you're not reviewing it yet. No. Okay. This is a surprised review of something completely different. And now for something completely different? But related. Is that what it is? No. Or is it your review of Saving Private Ryan? I got it. No. No? Oh. It's connected to Dunkirk. And it's a decently short review of something you don't know that I've been uh, availing myself of. Mein Kampf. Yes. No, Jason. We might have to beep that out. No, that's a, like that's just Hitler's no, book. I, I know, yeah. I've not read that, and I don't plan to. No, but so I've got this thing that's kind of tenuously connected. Should I do it now before either of us yeah. review Dunkirk? If or... it's going to be sub five minutes, do it now. Okay, I can do it. So I listened to Harry Styles' solo album. Oh, nice. A whole bunch. Uh, over the past couple days at work. Uh, just for something to do. I will cut you off after five minutes. Harry Styles self-titled album, Harry Styles. <laughs> uh, so let me start off by just saying, if your name's Harry Styles, or if you just have any sort of Is normal... That his actual name? I don't know. Google it. Um, wh- if you're a solo art- artist, why why self-titled album? You can't name the album Harry Styles. Your name is Harry Styles. Just think of something like, do a Led Zeppelin and just call it One. Or something like that. I don't care. But naming the album Harry Styles or just like self-titled is just a Harry Edward Styles. That's like, I'm so angry at him for that. So, uh, so, and I want you to listen to this because I want you to listen to the album. And then I want to continue this conversation on next week's, not next week's, the next podcast we do. Because I've been meaning to listen to this album for a little while. It starts off um, with like psychedelic folk. Which I kind of was taken by surprise, like a lush vocal layered, like a doubling kind of effect, a la T Rex, a similar psych folk sort of thing. And there, then there was some straight up folk on a song called "Sweet Creature," uh, so like R and B rock. Ala AM from Arctic Monkeys on songs like Kiwi or Only Angel. Uh, Meet Me in the Hallway was the kind of T Rex psych folk sort of thing. 
Uh, and it even went so far as to kind of evoke like Ramble On by Led Zeppelin on a track uh, called Ever Since New York. And I know I've just cited a lot, a lot of stuff, and that is kind of the album's blessing and curse. Huge amounts of diversity, which makes it a really fun listen. I think it's eight tracks long, which makes it a really fun kind of tour, but it does feel like a grab bag portfolio. I'm Harry styles this is what i can do uh and a lot of the songs also have repetitive choruses and many of the lyrics do read like a 17 year old's fantasy dream but harry kind of makes it work in a surprising way that i kind of didn't see coming and uh i actually quite enjoyed it and would definitely not be above purchasing it and listening to it somewhat regularly they're just love songs like There's nothing ex- wrong exactly with a love what, song no but exactly what you'd expect from a former member of one direction but it was quite enjoyable great guitar tones on a couple of them and i assume he played acoustic on a number of the songs nice playing from him as well solid songwriting fun songs sign of the times is an amazing song one of the best songs of the year certainly the best pop song of the year as far as i've heard definitely from lord yeah it kills anything lord's written this year kills it dead have you not heard that song sign of the times no harry styles just stop you crying it's a sign of the times what a tune lord's got some bangers though on melodrama trust me anyways and uh, it now, Sign of the Times definitely sounded like it was probably an acoustic tune that Harry wrote and took it to the producer. And the producer went, I smell money. And then kind of snatched it from his hands. was like, we're going to use piano and a lot of strings. And like that works, but it also... You have one more minute. It also uh, really made it kind of... Stop doing that. Seriously. That's just irritating. Um, it also definitely made it stick out kind of like a sore thumb in the track listing, especially it's like the second tune. And so it opens with like this really sweet, folksy, uh, acoustic guitar, finger picking kind of tune. And then goes to this soaring anthem, money, money, you know, but it is a killer song. So it's a, it's a really fine album. It's not amazing, but it's better than I was expecting. And it's quite fun. So I just thought I'd bring that to the table. Also, the cover is kind of cool. Okay. Are we finished yet? Mm -hmm. Dunkirk is a 2017 war film written, co-produced, and directed by Christopher Nolan. It features an ensemble cast starring Fionn Whitehead, Tom Glynn Carney, Jack Loudon, Harry Styles, I don't know how to say that one, Anurine Bernard. Oh, I don't know. James D'Arcy. It doesn't star all these people. I'm going to skip some of them. Kenneth Bran, Cillian Murphy. Kenneth Branagh. Branagh? Yes. Cillian Murphy, Killian Mark Murphy. Rye Lance. That's what I said. No, Killian, not Cillian. Oh. Tom Hardy and portrays the Dunkirk evacuation of the Second World War. The film is a co-production between the United Kingdom, the United States, France, and the Netherlands. Uh, I'm looking for a brief plot synopsis. The narrative follows three interconnected perspectives covering different but overlapping periods on land covering one week, on sea covering one day, and in the air covering one hour. 
the three parts interweave to create a non-linear narrative. And we're getting into the negatives already. So, Dunkirk, I think, is a really excellent movie. And as someone who sees probably only, like, two films a year in theater, it's the best movie I've seen in cinemas all year. Uh, Um, Good joke. Thank you. You're ripping on the dad jokes today. (laughs) Is that such a bad thing? Yes. So I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I guess first I'll just talk about the visuals because that actually stuck out to me a lot, almost in its uh, subtlety, but in a really good way. The color palette is primarily, I would say, gray, brown, and just overall fairly dull. Um, Almost reminiscent of the color palette that games used in the PS3 360 generation. (laughs) You know how everyone talked about everything was brown and like, gray uh, and stuff? Fallout 3 like Fallout or 3 or Resistance, um, etc. Yeah. Call of Duties lots, even lots then. Of, lots of rubble and broken concrete. Yeah, exactly. But I found it had this like barren, broken, dull beauty that I found very appealing. And I think the ocean provided a welcome balance to the land. A little splash of color, but it also looked kind of brooding and ill-tempered and really just set the mood i feel like um the sets did a wonderful job of providing tone for the scenes like if all of the cast was deleted and all it showed was like the frame that they were in it still had so much emotion and like mood as much as i feel like people use that as a cheap hashtag it did have mood mm-hmm. um i think the cinematography did a wonderful job of balancing individuality and a lot of close-ups on face and showing um emotions and how how individual everyone was in the conflict and then cutting to these shots that capture the giant scale of dunkirk there were these like swooping panning shots that just showed tens of thousands of people on the beaches of course there were around four hundred thousand, i think in total mm-hmm. didn't have that many extras but still it showed this just massive sense of scale which really added weight to the conflict. Um, The premise being that these French, English, uh, Dutch, and one more, mostly French and English soldiers, were trapped on the beaches of Dunkirk. Germans are rapidly closing in, and all the soldiers need to be evacuated. However, there's only one dock that the destroyers can land at to ferry the soldiers out. Resources are being drained, and overall it looks like... um, many of the soldiers are not going to make it also my voice is really going so i'm sorry i don't know why your voice yeah it's just like slowly fading and i'm trying not to have it crack too much like it's doing now don't use your false vocal cords i don't think i am you you do when you speak like this. <sighs> okay um another strength of the movie is its runtime uh i can look up the runtime maybe while i talk two hours two like hours dead around two yeah I feel like, maybe it's just a me thing, I feel like lately movies have been getting longer. They um, have been, yeah. And and for no good reason. It's part of that language, like with books or albums, you think that when there's more material, something profound is going on underneath the hood. Like, you know, they think, oh, The Godfather, three hours long, that's why it's so good. Or, you know, oh, this book is... 700 pages it must be profound you know war and peace shout out to it it's part of the barrier to entry right yeah makes it the seem price exclusive. you have to pay it, 
you think that there must be some reward for all that work, but yeah. oftentimes now it's just long. But at, I think it was a little under two hours. I felt like Dunkirk was very concise, didn't seem rushed, but I didn't think there was a lot that you could really cut out of it. And I think it just felt superbly well paced. I was never bored. I never felt rushed. Night, n- not even well paced. Nicely rhythmic. Mm-hmm. Ple- yeah. Very pleasingly rhythmic. Um, <coughs> not, also, not that it wasn't like tense or anything. Another huge strength of the movie is I was talking to a friend of mine today about Dunkirk. Um, and she's a bit of a pansy. So she, because uh, I was saying you should go and see it. And she was like, well, is it really gory? Because I don't like that sort of thing. I thought about that and I thought, you know what? Those, not at uh, all. There's no There's blood. none. There's none. It's not yeah. even... Because it's a PG... Uh, 13? Thir- it's either PG-13 or 12A. 14A. I think it might... 12A doesn't exist here, does it? Oh, well, whatever. 14A. It's a low rating. It's a very low there rating. Is there's little to no language. There's one, yeah. one F word, I think. There is, like, no violence. What? Well, there's there's no graphic violence, sorry, is a better way to put it. But it manages to have the superb tension, and it never feels like, okay, we gotta make a movie for the family. There's no gaping hole where the no, door should be. not at all. Which is, which is, this and is I mean, so impressive. both you and I, I, I think this is safe to say, one of our favorite films ever is Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Which is, I think, quite gory, and there's certainly a lot of It's language. certainly disturbing. And there's certainly, and yeah. it's a war movie, for yeah. those of you who might not know. Um... And I was, that was one of the things that really struck me coming out is like, I feel, I mean, it's, it's not, the, yeah, it's not the same experience as watching Apocalypse Now, which is like spiritually mm-hmm. unsettling in some ways. Um, but it, it, like I said, there's no gore shaped hole or, or profanity shaped hole. Right. Yeah. And I'm not one to, uh, find either of those things anathema to a, a meaningful viewing experience yeah you know i was very impressed that he but pulled that it just, off without it, it didn't feel like it, he compromised the film to, mm-hmm. to tell the story without excessive gore and language and yeah. i think it's better for it because it allows you to focus more on uh the characters and the events and the story and i think that i'm sorry to keep interrupting but i think that like it's good for young kids to see films like this. Yeah, and that's to, what I think Mark Kermode said it would be a good family film. And I was like, he's totally right. Totally a good family film. You can come out, you can have discussions about, yeah, people actually did this crazy stuff for their countries, for their loved And ones. still do to an extent. And still do. And I think that that could be an extraordinarily profound experience on a younger child. Yeah. And can you imagine being 12 or 13 and going to see Dunkirk? Yeah. <laughs> You'd have the top of your head blown clean off. You'd be like, wow. And also, it's such, such an intelligent, such a graceful film. Such an adult, mature film, too. But kids can see it. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Anyway, continue. Also, something we really don't talk about enough, maybe because we often watch films at home, admittedly with still with good sound equipment, oh, but man. we went to see it in IMAX. Whoa. The sound design is phenomenal um mark kermode again from kermode mayo they've talked um quite a bit about how sound designers are the most overlooked part of what makes a good film good and so i'd like to take a moment to say that the sound design including music but especially the audio mixing of the film is phenomenal 
Some people say the gunshots sounded really we- real. What is that? A bug? I think it's a little fly. Huh. I just finished my drink and then felt something on my lip and fly. like brushed it off instead of just eating it indiscriminately. And I believe it's a pretty sizable fruit fly. Huh. That and is too. I'm trying to not throw up. Although Adam, my coworker, uh, ate just a dead house fly in front of me Just today. for fun? Uh, pretty much. I think he was trying to gross me out and I just oh. kind of was like, I see. And then he was kind of sad. Good. Yeah. Because he'd eaten <laughs> Sorry, a fly Adam. for no reason. <laughs> you silly goose. Anyway. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, the sound design. Yeah. A lot of people are saying the gunshots sound really realistic. They absolutely don't, but they still sound great. Uh, they have a lot of weight. It's really hard um, to judge, though, what an old-timey machine gun... Not a machine gun, but an old-timey They were like, shooting, like, M1 Garands. We were shooting a two twenty three the next day. Sounds like from, you know... Yeah. It's it's hard to say. Okay, I gotta wrap this puppy up. Blah, blah. I haven't even got to the negatives, and there are quite a few of them. I also have two more good things, though. I really enjoyed the three narrative sources, as we said already, which were the air, the sea, and the land. Um, I think they were all well told and contributed something different to the story, and as each uh, narrative only featured two, three, four characters, it never got, at the most, um, it never got too confusing and the cast didn't seem bloated. I also thought that there were no bad actors. All three par- pilots, which I have written down here as Tom Hardy, Scarecrow, and the other fellow. <laughs> he, um, Killian Murphy wasn't a pilot. He was on a boat, wasn't he? We can't get too spoilery. He was a pilot. He... Well, that's not a spoiler. Then, that's how like, they find him. Yeah, but it's midway through the film. Nah. Yeah. Okay. First third. I mean, I'm Whatever. not going to like say that, yeah. but like, I don't think that that's a spoiler. Anyways, they all portrayed their emotion well, even with their breathing masks on. There was a lot of talk going around, rightly so, about Tom Hardy's eyebrows because they were good. But they all did a good job of that, I thought. Um, Harry Styles I, was entirely inoffensive, um, which might be kind of damning with faint praise, but I don't know. He didn't do. He didn't have an opportunity to impress me. But what he did, he did fairly well. I was so. saying to my coworkers today, talking about this movie, and let, let me just say, how great is it that such a graceful, uh, somber, and respectful recreation of an amazing turning point in the Second World War, how amazing that that's made it, not only in England, where this is a popular historical tale that is retold the evacuation of dunkirk but how awesome that it's become like gained a really solid foothold over here and on no traction of a story of the story of nobody's going to see it because oh my grandpa fought there they're going to see it because they've heard that it's fantastic and that's so inspiring for me as an artist to see Mm-hmm. people really latching on to word of mouth um but i was saying too what a perfectly judged acting debut this is for harry styles yeah perfectly judged sign like really important film really good film solid film with minimal lines he doesn't have anything to really bunk up uh i feel like a lot of uh singers who want to act in films want can you not Sorry, play I with just the... got the lock locked again? Um, 
a lot of singers want a more prevalent or important role in a film and they just end up being terrible because they're singers not actors yeah but it was a really nicely judged acting debut for him yeah i think definitely and then for downsides there were several um that maybe were sort of more like it's not me it's you (laughs) Mm. um I feel like they made it, made a big point of it being like non-linear. Rarely did it go backwards in time, if that makes sense. Like usually it jumped around there a bit, many, yeah. like plus and minus a couple hours. But there were just a couple times where it jumped back a significant amount of time how, before. Can you, how many can you think of? Two, I think. Yeah, because I can only think of think the so. one that we spoke um, of. Where a major event happens and then it skips to a scene before it happens. And I found that quite jarring and a little bit confusing. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if they had made a point of doing that more, it wouldn't have been quite so bad. And I understand, like, it's the whole one week, one day, one hour thing. But I feel like normally they did, they did a better job of disguising that and Which making it blend. One week? Uh, one week was on land, one day was the boats, and then one hour was on the air. And then I have two other complaints, one of which is maybe unfair, could be... Oh, I just had a stroke. Because they also talk about um, how it was about kind of being impersonal and they don't use characters' names for the most part, um, if at all. Yeah, they do a little bit on the boat. Um, Boat and air. But the characters felt underdeveloped to me. At one point midway through, a character gets, like, hurt. And I feel like I was supposed to, like, care about it or whatever. But I just didn't really find I cared about any of the characters except probably the pilots who I think were the best developed and had the best banter and dialogue and showed a lot of personality. Um, and then I had one more critique that I thought of that's not down in my notes that I like just thought of. Let me think of it. Oh, you thought of it and then yeah. left you? I so think. let's just have a brief pause while I think of it. Uh, and I'll just interject and say that in terms of the underdevelopment of the characters, I think that for me, that had something to do with the anonymity of war. I understand in that. In general, but... and I, I think that it it shot itself in the foot a little bit just <laughs> by nature of the character who mm. they chose to injure. Who, if if it had been, you know, I'm not going to say too much, but if it had been a soldier, mm-hmm. it would have felt more uh, meaningful. Or right, or yeah. just it would have been easier to empathize with that, and yeah. it would have we would have been able to relate. Okay, this is a soldier. All right, this is part of what he's doing. This is his life right now. Whereas it felt a little jarring the way it was presented, and yeah. like in order for this to have impact we should know more about this character because all you need to know about a soldier to feel impact when a soldier's wounded is he's fighting for his life for his loved ones in his country yeah right that's all you need to know and all you need to know or all you need to see to know that is a pith helmet and rifle yeah my last complaint is great art can uh, be on a popular topic and be fantastic i.e. the last of us but also, I was sitting here thinking their finest hours, Saving Private Ryan. Their finest hours? Isn't that the one with uh, John Goodman and George Clooney? 
None of them. What was it called? Uh, that's called... The Monuments uh, Men. The Monuments Men. Their finest hours is the Ocean Rescue with uh, Chris Oh, Spine. yeah. I was thinking of the Monuments Men. The Monuments... Daft Punk. Shut up. The great, Monuments... Great war film. <laughs> the Monuments Men. Um, Saving Private Ryan. Apocalypse Now. Dunkirk. Hacksaw Ridge. To an extent, these like World War One and Two era films are just getting a bit thick on the ground. And I understand like Apocalypse Now is not literally like World War Two, but just war films from that era. Well, Vietnam War. Yeah. Um. But I mean, you know what I mean. Like medium, like recent history war films are just so thick on the ground. I think I think it's interesting that there's so many of them, and and also how varied they are. It's really kind of fantastic, in yeah. my opinion. Also, um, Hacksaw Ridge is also Vietnam War, I believe. Yeah, I said like recent history films, like um, World War One to Vietnam. I think it's and interesting. Korea. I think it's. I think it is important uh, because they do connect us with that history that's just far enough out of reach that to you and me, Vietnam, uh, World War Two, and especially One, seems surreal and yeah. otherworldly. Even Korea. And yeah, Korea, and um, and I think films do keep us attached to that history. I suppose and, so. And I think it's an important part of the remembrance of those conflicts. And uh, I I think it's you know they're interesting settings, and almost everybody like you know our great grandfather fought in World War Two along with pretty much everybody's great grandfather. Yeah. Um, and so there is a connection there, like. For me, like emotionally, yeah. thinking that wow, like my great grandfather was wearing that kind of you know uniform, or he was carrying that kind of rifle. I, I don't know if he. Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, he, he did carry a sidearm. He was know, like but, a repairman, but he was still a soldier. Yeah, but like that is the kind of world that he inhabited, yeah. and because of that, I do find. An amount of Especially weight. World War Two films, and when they, because I know he was in Italy and he was in France, too, yeah. uh, which is Dunkirk takes place. I do find that to be just stirring, just yeah. by its nature. It's so I, I still find a lot of life and love in the World War yeah. movies. And so overall, I would be around an eight out of ten. I think it's a fantastic film. I think if you have to see this or like Apocalypse Now, like not even close, go see Apocalypse Now. Um, but at the same time, I also think the right answer is just see both. Um, I wouldn't even say that. Um, no, sorry. Continue. I'll double back um, on you. And yeah, I think it is the best new film I'm aware of for a while. Although I have just massive gaps in the films I've seen, i.e. no La La Land. But I also don't really like musicals normally. I said films recently that were made. Um, Brace of the Serpent. Oh, that's a better movie by far. Oh, by I don't know. far. Yeah, it is better. Who am I kidding? Embrace the Serpent is like, in my amateur opinion, one of the great films I've ever seen. Amazingly effective. I gotta watch it again. We should almost watch it tomorrow. Ooh. Um. Slap. So I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that Apocalypse Now is better than Dunkirk amazingly different films like yes. you were saying with the war films sit up he's got his head on the table guys which I'm is so tired. i think we can all agree is unprofessional behavior i've drink the rest of the, my coffee 
or something. I need to go to sleep, though. I don't want to be wired on, like, three cups of coffee um, at midnight. So, Apocalypse Now is the psychedelic drug trip of a war film. Yeah. Which examines the emotional, spiritual uh, impacts not only of war, but of the jungle. Whereas Dunkirk is a really poker-faced, steady-handed, uh, almost just recreation. Almost like documentary reenact- drama. Reenactment. Uh, war reenactment uh, sort of thing. And I find that really interesting. Uh, I'll kind of explain the story a little bit. For those concerned about spoilers, whatever. I mean, it's history, so... You know. <laughs> whatever. Well, I mean... I would say keep it to the first third like we try to. I was going to say, there's 400,000 troops trapped on the beach of Dunkirk in France, just across from Dover in England, and it was the evacuation of them by a lot of civilian boats coming over from England and taking all these soldiers over, and after the evacuation, uh, I believe like three quarters... Of More the soldiers than were successfully evacuated. Lives were saved. It was a massive victory and a turning point in the Second World War, which I don't know why I was unaware of it uh, before. My my prior kind of scruples with Nolan's style are decently known. If you're one of the three people who listens to this, I find a lot of his films can be cold. There's a lot of gray, a lot of blue, a lot of drab colors, a lot of characters who kind of mutter stuff and who i don't end up caring about Look vaguely unhappy yeah like he did well with the batman films because that's what batman needed batman needed to be navy blue and slate gray the same is true for dunkirk but i don't think that dunk i think dunkirk has some warmth in it far more than what i've seen or interstellar jeez don't get me started on interstellar which is just this, like, he, he is kind of the Kubrick of our time in some ways, but Kubrick was making these really weird, like, artsy, fartsy, uh, metaphorical journeys through the human spirit and Christopher Nolan's adapting comic books. That is not, that sounds like a dig, it's not really a dig, but I'm just saying the style works better with one than the other. However... I found uh, Nolan's style to work really nicely in these settings. It opens in um, kind of a small alley, kind of chasing. Love the opening. Also really interesting, you like never see Nazi soldiers ever or the enemy. They're kind of this looming, almost Sauron-like invisible presence, which I found quite compelling actually. Uh, and it kind of actually, you see German soldiers. You do the one time they yeah. walk past or whatever. Twice, but I for people. won't say the other time. Um, so it opens in this alley scene with one of our foot soldiers kind of running away from gunfire. He gets over the sandbag uh, barricade, uh, meets some allies, and then gets out onto the beach. And suddenly the the frame just expands mm. or or it's like it, it feels like you really walk out mm. onto the beach um that's a great moment vast strip of white sand and gray blue 
thrashing seas and it the looks skies. So cold. Skies are heavy and the clouds are bloated and gray and sagging. And uh, it's an amazing moment. They're, you know, the soldiers lined up all down the beach. And I love how objectified Christopher Nolan has made this film because he didn't make it cinematic in the traditional sense. You know, he didn't clutter people. He didn't have people running every which way going, oh, and like no big fast f- fiery explosions going off in the background. It is unsettling how still and organized that beach is when you first come out because you can sense that pressure, right? Mm-hmm. But you see how an army would actually work. There has to be organization. It's not this big churning mass of people like what you see in a lot of films. You know, it's not a ridiculous disarray of uh, extremely handsome people running around shooting from the hip. Very handsome cast, though. Um, And Nolan works with this amazing setting of great big clean blank expanses the beach the water and the sky populated by small dark figures uh people on the beach boats on the in the channel and the planes in the sky and he really like has picked a i'm getting chills thinking about it such a genius setting and i know that's not like necessarily the reason why he wanted to make the film but like what a delight it must have been for him to work with such clean, minimalist Mm -hmm. surroundings and to just be able to work the frame and to work with uh, symmetry and balance and populating it and weighting the frame. And I am just... Finally, I feel like Christopher Nolan found the perfect setting to offset his style and his objectified kind of way of portraying events on film um it and the this film never to kind of continue on that it never overextends it never devolves into a big fireball spewing michael bay you know uh people running and screaming and flying cgi monstrosity what cgi there is and i would absolutely love to know what i was looking at that was cgi because there was not much. There was really not much. Maybe some explosions. Maybe some big ships way off in the background. Mm-hmm. Something like that too. And some explosions most likely. But like very tasteful. Never overextended. I said when we were on our way home from the theater that I was never sitting there going, oh, that's where the budget went. Yeah. That's where the budget went. And what a nice thing. Because in this <laughs> day and age. The album. Yeah. The opposite for uh, everything now. Uh, but in this in this day and age, you watch a blockbuster film, and I'll just say Transformers. I was, thought you were going to say The Nut Job, too. Nutty by nature. I was not. That is not Do a blockbuster in any way. But you watch it, and you're, you're seeing... They, they, they kind of want to show you, hey, look at this. Like, Look at all this money we spent on this scene. Look at all this money. Look at how expensive this looks. But this never, ever did that. It never flaunted its budget in any way. Just really tasteful, period correct stuff that immersed you and was just so low key that you never questioned any of it. I never questioned mm-hmm. any of it. Uh, and that was like a huge triumph. Whoever did the sets is amazing. Whoever worked with the planes and the boats 
amazing. Whoever worked with costuming, amazing. Whoever worked with hair, okay. Why are all the foot soldiers' hair the same color? That's one thing that bothered me. Did that bother you ever? Harry Styles, all the other guys, dark, dark Didn't brown hair. Me. No. And it is difficult in some yeah. scenes, for me at least, to kind of tell them apart. And it would have been so much easier if one of them had like even just light brown hair. Yeah. Or if one had blonde hair. Like, <laughs> all it, I want all, various, like seriously yeah. though, it would be easy. And I'm sure that there was a reason for dyeing all Doesn't their hair. Mean it was a good reason. Uh dark brown. Um and but, you know, that's not a real misstep. Arguably the only real misstep for me is what you talked about, the randomly scrambled time. When it came up, you know, it comes up uh the mole one week. Yeah. And that's the uh, foot soldiers. And then one day, one hour. I never got the sense that a week passed on the ground. No. Like in any way. There were it no felt nights, like, were there? No. It felt like one day yeah. to me. It all felt like one day. Yeah. And that's fine. I, I'm really confused as to why he decided to make it one week. I like the I, three narrative things, but yeah. Same. Cutting back and forth. I think he just made it a week because maybe that's how it was historically, but... It just didn't feel like a week. You're right. I, there was no passage of time. He, if he had said it was a day, I would have been like, well, that seems credible. T- completely. It felt like a day that that took place in. And I'm I'm sure he kind of uh, uh, wanted to remain true to events because this is, like I said, a very objective film in that sort of sense. But, yeah, there was no mm. sense of a week having passed. Uh, and the one or two random cuts back and forth that kind of interrupt the flow linearity of the narrative were not confusing to me because i knew what to expect but i could totally see if you just went in yeah excuse me if you just went in blind and saw that i could totally see like wait wasn't he just and they were huh you Mm -hmm. know Uh, i do have one more complaint actually also that i forgot to mention go for it the dialogue was very good but i mentioned to you going home there was once when it was like a bad video game tutorial and i don't think this is a spoiler because this is in like the first quarter yeah of the movie. i, I want to hear this because i don't um, know what you're talking about the pilots are setting out and they have like a oh, radio yeah, from yes, hq yes, yes. or something and the people from hq are like hey 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 buddy watch your fuel gauge gotta make sure you have enough back you don't want to get stuck over the channel with an empty fuel gauge wink wink nudge nudge and you're instantly like, okay, something's going to go wrong with their fuel um, as soon as they say that. It just seemed like, why would you mention that? I, I agree. The only thing that saved that for me was the delivery of the lines and the lines themselves yeah. and how clipped and business-like they were and how much I really believed I was listening uh-huh. to Spitfire pilots. The circumstance, the, the happening itself. As soon as they said that, Tom, I just knew. Tom Hardy's uh, fuel gauge gets broken. Yeah. That's no spoiler. That's for most of the movie. Um as soon as that happens it is kind of like okay but you know it the dialogue is very clipped and very yeah. business-like and that kind of saved it for me on the believability spectrum but i totally knew what was happening you know you'd have to be stupid to not see that happen also i hated this movie because it didn't pass the bechdel test <laughs> okay please well, please don't bring that up because i'm gonna I'm gonna just cry blood. That's how I'm just gonna review movies. Did it pass the Bechdel test? Yes. Terrible. Good movie. No. Bad Sexist movie. No. trash. Yeah. Oh man. Sexist trash. There should have been more women in World War Two. Yes. Um. 
This is Go. like the longest episode we've done in a long time. I know. We're it's into good. it. Yeah. Uh, and that that's what I, that's what I was gonna say. The dialogue I really liked because of how naturalistic it was. There was no like. So how are you? Why did you get here? Well, they all feel like kids. I wanted to run away from home and join the army and be a hero like my dad. But now I see that it's all pain and suffering, and this is terrible, and I want to go home. It's just all small talk. Yeah. Which you don't really get to know anybody, and that's the point. Yeah. That is completely the point. I totally, now that you said it, I agree with what you're saying about the... um characters on the boat these civilian some civilian characters I didn't care about them they were hard to care about i wasn't quite sure who was who and that did hurt the amount that i knew i should care about it i wasn't sure if they were a father and two sons if he was a father a son and a friend or that's what it is i only realized that today when i was reading the stops it's a father a son and his son's friend i yeah. thought they were brothers yeah uh so that that definitely hurt it for me Hurt just with those characters. For these soldiers, it totally works not knowing their names. Um, you you feel like you're dropped into the conflict with them, and you've just bumped into them. Yeah, you know, and you're kind of clinging together because uh, you know he he gave you a nod and handed you an extra piece of bread or something like. Yeah, you know, you totally feel like you've fallen into this situation with them. There was also one of the soldiers who just seemed like a total non sequitur who's in their group. Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. I feel like the more we talk about this, the more negative I'm getting, though, so we should end it, because it was a really good movie. It, it was very good. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the best Christopher Nolan film outside of uh, The Dark Batman. Knight that I've seen, and as far as Christopher Nolan films that don't come from, like, a significant other source, Ranger, which, like, yeah. something that he's written himself, by far far his best that said this did come from world war ii soars above but like it's his conception yeah right um jason for heaven's sake just pay attention (laughs) he's just fidgeting like why are you fidgeting so much i'm just getting really sleepy and i'm trying to stay awake well just perk up sit up straight um and yeah so yeah i i I thought it was very very good great to see an imax on a huge screen really lends itself to the expanse expanses. it would be good in uh excuse me it'd be really good in the home too though i feel like good pair of surround sound headphones yeah for sure dark room yeah send it very good yeah all right well uh we're not sure what we're gonna talk about next time there we could possibly shoehorn in some more harry styles talk just because i think he's super hot uh we should review men uh, <laughs> how about we don't do that actually because that could get a little uncomfortable for everybody but we'll think of something to review if we don't maybe we'll post on Facebook and beg for suggestions oh we'll think of something Um, we got a couple things up our sleeves true okay let's make this exactly an hour and 15 minutes good night One that's of my one favorite of the things that you are best at, and that's just a hobby that the show tell that you is cherish 